0: your
1: inside pass to everything saints football we'll take you to the places most fans never go to practice to the sideline to the locker room following every twist
0: I the ball. turn Picks and touchdown is over. of the
1: 2022 season it is going to be covered by the saints for a touchdown
0: Welcome to Inside
1: Black and Gold. Oh, baby!
0: Welcome in to another episode of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports producer. We managed to track Steve Geller down. He got back from foggy old London town in one piece. How's it going, Steve? Doing great. I feel like I've adjusted
1: uh, after, you know, one day back. So I'm hoping that the Saints players feel the same way i know we heard from some of them boy talking about there's you know, a lot of guys are still getting readjusted but a good uh, night's rest and didn't wake up until about 6 7 a.m carlin's time so it wasn't like i was still really stuck back in the, the london uh time frame and uh yeah that six hour difference is really brutal
0: uh, yeah, I can imagine. I had to wake up at four a.m. once and I am Yes, Exactly. There it. you go. Not complaining game bit at all. All right. And inside black and gold is brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And we're gonna get into, you know, a player that really never did get back from London. <laughs> and that's Latavius Murray. Guy had ten carries, fifty-seven yards and a touchdown. Apparently it was enough to make other teams sit up and take notice. He was signed by the Broncos off the Saints practice squad reports were that the Saints did offer him a spot on their 53 he turned it down and took another another situation which I, I it makes sense you know it would have been really frustrating if this the answer was well we were just trying to stash him back on the practice squad and not give him an option not give him a roster spot after showing out and leading the team and rushing as a practice squad elevation they did try to sign him to the 53 did not work you know, I think the timing worked against the Saints in more ways than one. One being that was the only game on television, and the Broncos definitely watched it. Hmm. <laughs> the other thing, uh, if you remember back in the 2020 season, Latavius absolutely went off against the Broncos in that game where the Broncos didn't have a quarterback. That might have been ringing in their ears a little bit when they were trying to figure out what to do because the final element was, was the Broncos, Javante Williams to a season ending injury. And now they're sitting there with just Melvin Gordon. And if you're Latavius Moore, you're looking at that and you're licking your chops because you could be the RB1 in that situation by the end of the season. I Melvin mean, Gordon isn't exactly locking down that spot. So, you know, good for him. He he got his chance. He was sitting on his couch a month ago. You know, now he's got a chance to really kind of make it on a, on a team that needs a running back and good for him. You know, it's hard to, hard to root against that guy. Yeah, I guess we'll hopefully look at it as, as a, a positive that maybe
1: Alvin Kamara ready to get back in the swing of things for the Saints. I know when Latavius Murray was definitely to from the practice squad to the act roster for week four, it was definitely a red flag where you went, uh-oh, are we going to even see Kamara this game because, you know, why elevate why Murray then? And injury, though, even to Mark Ingram against the Vikings became that concern because you had, Tony Jones Jr., who is inactive, so you were left with Dwayne Washington, and Latavius Murray. So the running back, something the Saints didn't address today, uh, even though there were a few roster moves.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram is is your is your go to. Sure, um, I am interested to see what happens with Tony Jones. Like I, he's been inactive the last two weeks, right? And and two weeks ago, you didn't even have Latavius called up. So there was, you know, you did have Alvin Kamara at some level. I don't know. I would probably peg him at like 80% of what he would normally be. He didn't look right, right to me. Um, but you didn't have Latavius active. And Tony Jones was was inactive as well. Tony Jones was inactive this week with Alvin Kamara down. So, you know, it's clear that you don't have a ton of faith in Tony Jones. Yeah, I mean, you. you I don't know how else you could project that. What's Divine Azigbo Zigbo up to right now? Yeah, I mean it's that that was the weird thing about this this offseason. And I think Divina Zigbo might be he might be on the Broncos. Didn't they? He is on the Broncos. No. Wow, okay. Yeah, they, they remember the Broncos uh, signed him on waivers. And he's on the Broncos practice squad now. So maybe okay. the Saints, the can Saints could theoretically right. go return the favor and, and sign Divina Zigbo off their practice squad but that would be kind of a that would be a thirsty move at best. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, it's just it's frustrating to watch a team get outmaneuvered a lot. in that way and you know it's not their fault to some extent like they didn't know Latavius was going to go out there and ball like he did. I don't think they expected it. So like why would they have made him one of their four protected players on practice squad? Um why would they have put him on the 53 before seeing what he had to offer? Um, It just I think the timing and in the in the situation just just didn't work Um, or it did work for for Latavius. It didn't work for the
1: Saints. It's, it's so, so odd that they were the Denver was able to get him, though. I figured he was called up to the active roster and was still, you know, not on the wasn't on the practice squad right now. But That's I know not how pointed, it works. Yeah. You point Twitter uh the you know, the rule for poaching, I guess.
0: Well, so uh, the the thing to the thing to remember, so a practice squad elevation is not the same as just signing someone to your 53, right? Like Jake Luton was signed to the 53. He's not reverting back to the practice squad after getting elevated. You can get elevated I want to say 3 times before you have to sign someone to the to the 53 or you okay. can't do it again, right? Last right. year they did that with Kenny Stills and Kevin White. It's just a way to allow practice squad players to get some run when the situation allows for it without having to sign them to the 53, you know, because that would have forced you to cut someone, right? If someone's hurt and you have them inactive, you can replace them without having to cut somebody. And so that's what the Saints were taking advantage of with Oavivius. Now, by doing that, it opened up the door for the Broncos to come in and poach somebody. Well in most cases, guys aren't getting poached because you haven't seen them. You don't know what to expect from them. And when you poach a guy, you have to have him on your active roster for at least three weeks. So, you know, you're not going to just do that on a whim. You're going right. to do it if you need somebody and you're going to do it if you know what to expect from them. And that's exactly what you had with the Tavius. So, you know, that's that's what... It, it's a weird situation. And I'm sure that a lot of Saints fans woke up this morning very confused when they heard that he was signed by the Broncos. And they're like, wait, he's on our team. How did they do that? Um, that's why. Because he was technically on the practice squad.
1: Yeah, the amount of outrage, obviously, you social media... Is pretty amusing considering there's so many other things that are wrong team right now. But the Latavius Denver has really sent a lot of Saints fans over the edge.
0: Yeah, it's. <laughs> I think it's misdirected anger. Sure. You know, there, I, there's righteous anger and there's misdirected anger, yeah. and I think there's just a lot of a lot of frustration boiling over the edge right now. Or for a team that you expected to be more effective as an offense particularly, you know. Yeah, I mean, everyone's here's how bad it is. The, the 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 Saints had 7 points on the board with 4 minutes remaining in the third quarter of that game, and people are coming and saying to me, "Wow, the offense looked great." Right, Andy Dalton's the answer. Well, I mean, like like, like that's that's bleak, guys. That's bleak when that is an improvement. Um, And so like, I get it. People are frustrated. Um, You got to figure something out. I don't know if the answer is Andy Dalton. You know, we're going to go through a lot of film in the back half of this show. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, stood out to me when you're watching the Vikings play, the saints is like, they're giving up the middle of the field. They're saying, you know, you're not going to beat us deep. We're going to sit on these routes and we're going to try to intercept them. You know, like they're, they're not trying to take away routes. They are trying to set you up so they can pick them off, and the fact that they didn't was more of a work on your hands situation than like you know Mm. not putting the ball in danger because there was at least three possible interceptions there. Cam Dantzler had two of them, Uh, and you know that that's a questionable Viking secondary. I think that this is a situation where the more you see Andy Dalton, the more you're going to get a book on him in the Saints' offense. Like like that's what people aren't considering either is it's difficult to game plan for a quarterback when you don't know who it's going to be. And they definitely didn't know Andy Dalton was going to be the quarterback until, you know, maybe Wednesday, if they, if they were not buying the smoke screen from DA at all. Right. But like they had no reason to think before Wednesday that he, Andy Dalton was going to start that game. And then so, even like
1: Wednesday, I was, I was surprised by the fact that Winston still did address the media, even though he didn't practice. It was all right. He's, he just took the day off on a veteran's day rest, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, he was going to be back Thursday, like we believed everybody was saying.
0: Right. But my point is, you know, from a from the Viking side of things. Sure, right. At best, they had three days. Uh, if they didn't believe DA or Jameis at all on Wednesday, at best they had three days knowing who the quarterback was going to be to prepare for him. Right. And so, like that is an advantage to the quarterback. That should be an advantage to the opposing offense, right? You know if if, if that it, 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 when you saw Trevor Simeon, for example, come in against the Bucks, he looked a lot more effective than the next week when he came in against the Falcons than the week Absolutely after that right. when he came in against Good the cool. Titans. By the time he faced the bills, you didn't feel like that that offense was ever going to score a point, right. And I think that's, you know, when you have a limited quarterback, when he's not going to challenge you downfield and he's not Drew Brees, right? <laughs> he's not like a legendary quarterback of like he can he can outthink you to the point of, of exhaustion. You're going to get diminishing returns. Um, and so I think if, you know, for this offense to impact games the way it needs to, you got to hope you can get Jameis Winston healthy and you got to hope that he can be, a better quarterback than he was through the first three weeks. And that's and that's my opinion, but I don't a know. A positive with Dalton, we saw a little more action for the tight ends at least. We did. We did. We saw Adam Troutman. He got out of the witness protection program. <laughs> they even ran a tight end screen, which worked, right. you know. And I think that you did a lot of things with Dalton that you need to incorporate into the Jameis Winston offense. You know, the like the tight end screen, the swing passes, you know, keeping teams honest underneath. Or at least, you know, if they're going to try to hold you deep, you have to make them hurt underneath and you just haven't been able to do that. So this is very close to going off the rails. I really do. Um, the team will tell you the tide is close to turning and maybe it is, but, uh, you know, this team could very easily be 0-4. You have had a very good contribution from a red zone defense that has held that is like third rated third in the NFL. They've held opponents to like a field goal or less on 64% of red zone trips. You know, that's, that's a number that's tough to sustain. Um, so, you know, this, it, it could just as easily go the other way, right? You don't want to be two and nine, you know, it, cause that's the, you know, I, I don't want to think of how ugly things will be if this team stumbles two, three, four more weeks. Um, you got to get it fixed.
1: No, especially since I know we talked about, obviously, the the beginning of the year looking at the schedule, that the quote-unquote easiest part or the most winnable games were in the early part of this season. And, you know, obviously a a big problem right now is two of your major stars on the offense are not around and contributing with running back Alvin Kamara and wide receiver Michael Thomas. I thought last game I was really surprised on how – absent or invisible Jarvis Landry was I thought he'd be a lot a much more bigger contributor in that Vikings game especially with uh Thomas Down and Alvin Kamara
0: you know Jarvis he did his best in that game I don't I don't think that he was 100% from that ankle injury right exactly he's gonna play through it but two catches for seven yards and he did have that two-point conversion where they literally just forgot he existed (laughs) um yeah that's not a performance from a guy where you say oh yeah he's 100% you know um, he gutted it out. You appreciate it. You needed it. Um, but yeah, he's he's a guy you need to get healthy. And yeah, if there's an argument to be made for Andy Dalton, it's that you know, it wasn't a perfect offensive performance by any stretch, but he did do it without Alvin Kamara, without Michael Thomas. Um, and there's something to be said for that. Hopefully you can get them back. At what level? I don't know. No, and a, and a big positive, obviously, we've seen
1: from this offense is rookie Chris Olave is that guy. He's the real deal. He's been doing it, you know, week in and week out for this offense. And you got to figure that teams know that he he's your primary weapon right now and there's he's still making plays.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure how he was going to um fare with the Andy Dalton offense, right? It's going to be much different. You're not going to have the deep shots. He only was targeted once deep downfield. He had one nice grab to to set up that Will Lutz 61-yard attempt, right? He had another one on the sideline that he wasn't able to get his foot inbounds. Um, but he did, you know, he had a productive game. He caught a touchdown. I think he had four catches, 67 yards. You know, and, and to be quarterback-proof in that sense, right, you brought him in, in large part, because you wanted to get Jameis a deep threat, Yeah, right? I mean, that's why he made the most sense, I think, um, as a wide receiver in this offense. And... But you, you, you know, it's easy to be like, okay, what's what's it going to look like when you're not throwing the ball deep? You're not pushing it deep the way that you would with Jameis, and if you can still be a contributor, then that's a very big positive for a team that has had a lot of negatives go against it. I think one more net, one more positive um, that I didn't necessarily see coming is, I think Cesar Ruiz has been the best offensive lineman through week four of the of this season. On the Saints,
1: you know, maybe Eric McCoy. All yeah, the other hate that he got, that's great to see from him. And I think we talked about it too early on. It was like, why don't you give him a little time to develop, obviously?
0: Yeah, and I mean I get it. I get being frustrated as a first round pick. You got to be better. But, you know, you know, development happens, right? And the, the annoyance to me, it's not that like you're annoyed, you know, it's you're frustrated that he's not better than he is at in his second NFL season. It's that like when a team when a player is bad as a rookie, when he doesn't succeed as a rookie, he's done. Yeah, written off. Can't get any better. And and I think that this season, you know, maybe working with Jari Evans has helped. He struggled in Week One. I don't think he should ever get left on an island against Grady Jarrett again. But you know, the last three weeks, he's been solid to good. You know, he's been good in the run game. He's been good in pass pro. You know, your issues have been more on the left side because you have James Hurst and Calvin Throckmorton. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, you expected to have Andrews Pete and Trevor Penning at some point. Um, you have two first round picks that are not out there. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I think as much hate as Andrews Pete gets from
1: Saints fans, it's been pretty glaring to see, you know, what life, what life is, but what this offensive line is with Throckmorton and without Pete. And it definitely has been suffering, uh, especially. Those penalties with Throckmorton have been killer. I don't know who or if they're going to make a replacement for him
0: or if he can get healthy from that concussion. Yeah, I think you'd like to get Pete back. Right. Um, Because I think Throck as a backup is fine, right? In in spot duty, you feel okay with it. An entire game, the warts are going to start to show. And I think that's what we're seeing from James Hurst too. James Hurst has struggled – and, you know, it's like, yeah, what the more you see them out there, right? The more you're able to scout, the more you're able to identify weak points, the easier they are to beat, right? And, I mean, that's just that's just facts in the NFL. The more tape you have on somebody, the more you're going to be able to identify what they do well, what they don't, where you can beat them, where you, where you need to be careful, where you need to give help. And the the book is going to be out on, on Hearst. The book is going to be out on Throck. The book is going to be out on Andy. So, yeah, I mean, this... The the only thing you can say is like, the Seahawks might have the worst defense in the NFL. They allowed forty five points to the to the Lions, right? Without Amon Ross, St. Brown, yeah. <laughs> like without their leading receiver, T.J. Hawkinson, single handedly beat me in fantasy this week. Oh, I'm sorry. Like I was I was I was projected to win all day, and then all of a sudden I looked down and the tight end on the other team has thirty five points. Like what? This guy hasn't like got double digit points all season. All of a sudden, he's got thirty five. That's the Seahawks defense. So, hey, maybe maybe start Adam Troutman next week. Maybe that's the answer. But it's you got to win unless Jameis I, is back because he hates throwing to to Troutman. I said this last week. You got to beat the Vikings. You got to beat the Vikings. I'll say it again, even louder. You got to beat the Seahawks. I mean, jeez, one and three. Ugh. Like you're, it's not your season's not over, right? You can come back from one and three. It's, it's not unheard of. Like you need to finish nine and four in yeah. your remaining 13 games. Like that's the math to get to 10 wins, to get comfortably into the playoffs. That is not unreasonable to hope for. But the way this team has
1: played it, 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 right, can they really pull that off? You start thinking, you know, well, right.
0: The team you've seen over the first four weeks—that no, is unreasonable to hope for, right? No, you need confidence to see a different do team. That. You need to see a different team, and, and, and in fairness, like, and I've said this a lot. They could, they're, they're, they could just as easily be four and oh, right? They're, they had chances in all of these games. They were not the, you know, they won the the game that I thought they had the worst chance to win was week one and they won that and game they pulled that off right somehow right in week Meanwhile, two now atlanta just, and Tampa yeah. are playing for first place this week how wild is that right well i mean in week two you went to the fourth quarter tied three to three right and you had the ball with a chance to take a lead late in the third quarter you know that you you could have won that game you didn't Could've, in week three yeah. you were down six points with 12 minutes left you could have won that game if the defense got a stop and didn't allow a 67 yard touchdown like you could have won that game week four You had a 22 to 19 lead midway through the fourth quarter. You were tied with about four minutes left. Like you could have won that game, and you didn't. So, like you know, haven't been blown out or getting like gassed in any of these games, right? Right. I mean there there has there hasn't been a game that you could comfortably turn off until late, like late, late in the fourth quarter, right? The the end of the Panthers game you know the last couple of minutes you you didn't feel like you had a chance and that's largely because of that 67 yard touchdown like that's when the game ended um but like you know if if they were losing by 15 20 points right if this was the bills on thanksgiving then you'd be like all hope is lost um they're right in these games they just got to figure out how to win and what's sad is you know you as
1: you know too it's like hey we're finally back home in the superdome but the superdome hasn't really been dome sweet dome of late either.
0: Yeah. I asked Eric McCoy about that today and he was just like, yeah, we we got to do better. <laughs> like he, he feels bad because the fans pay good money to get in there and they just, absolutely. They, they've just been disappointed. It's It's like, there's this vibe around the team that just like you forget that this is a perennially good football team, right? They don't, they're not playing like a team that understands how to win games. Like winning is a skill. Like if, people don't think about it like that, but like, you know, passing, throwing a football is a skill. Catching a football is a skill. Hurdling over a defender is a skill. Winning at a football game is a skill. Playing in a way that wins is a skill in and of itself. Not everyone has it, and the Saints are playing like a team that doesn't through four games. There's just been so
1: many mistakes, and the ones – that and they're they're making them at critical times. It just makes you pound your head and wonder – why these things keep happening continually the the turn i don't i don't know how you fix your turnover issues what what do you do do you have the guys like you know back in the days of high school where you have them walking around the facility with a ball in their hand the entire day um and then when it comes to penalties too everyone talks about oh we got to be on the same page one unit you know just uh working together but when when are we going to see that because obviously they've been trying to do that over these last few weeks and it just hasn't been clicking
0: nope (laughs) <laughs> nope. And hopefully that'll change. Uh, again, this is Inside Black and Gold brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. I'm Jeff Nowak, WWL Digital Sports Producer, alongside Steve Geller. Uh, the rest of this podcast, we're going to dive into some film. The good stuff. The good stuff that's been bad. It's going to be fun. Stick around for that. Make sure to hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast.